Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Duffy Dixon. Welcome to Leader Dialogue, brought to you by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Joining me is the Chief Operating Officer of SOAR, Jennifer Strahan. Jennifer has partnered with more than 100 health systems and businesses across the U.S. to help them transform their strategic and administrative operations. Lisa Council is the Chief Commercial Officer of SOAR. She comes with more than two decades of clinical leadership and clinical informatics experience. She spent 19 years at the McKesson Corporation. And our guest this week is Alan Nall. Alan is Chief Strategy Officer at Patient Co., developing strategies and supporting plans for Patient Co. to deliver unique value to its clients. Now, prior to Patient Co., Alan served as a managing director in Accenture's strategy healthcare practice, where he led projects addressing many of his clients' most pressing issues related to growth and innovation for leading providers and payers. Welcome, Alan. Good to have you. Thanks, Duffy. Great to be here. And we've got to say, since this is a podcast, Alan uh, dressed up for us. He is wearing the official Patient Co. garb. That is the coolest T-shirt I've seen. Well, you know, Duffy, at, at Patient Co., uh, for Fridays, we always wear Patient Co. shirts. So it's like, you know, come early, be loud, wear green, stay late. We have a good time. <laughs> I like it. So it says, made with love in the ATL. Actually, made with heart sign in the ATL. Yeah, we're all asking for one. Yeah, we we're want just, swag. That's right. We're just jealous we don't have one. Uh, 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 team, uh, patient co-team who's listening in on this live, we're going to have to get some swag for the uh, for the SOAR, <laughs> for the SOAR team and group as well as Duffy. So uh, there you have it. You heard it here first. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. Alan, so glad that you're with us today. And I'd like for you to tell our listening audience a little bit about your background, um, what brought you to Patient Co., and then kind of segue into what what does Patient Co. deliver to healthcare organizations? You know, it, it occurred to me as I was listening to, to Duffy faithfully read out my LinkedIn description <laughs> that we didn't actually say what Patient Co. did. Well, Patient that's what we're asking. Value. We, we wanted you to do it. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, uh, Patient Co. is a consumer payments company focused exclusively on healthcare. We're partnering with large health systems to deliver a better billing and payment experience for their members. And we know that for the vast majority of patients, uh, 79% when we uh, survey them, that the financial experience matters and actually influences where they choose to receive care. And so, uh, Lisa, that's a long way of saying my background is a mix of both payments and healthcare. So prior to Accenture strategy practice, I was with a payments company called NetSpend that was all about access to financial care and products. Uh, in that case, prepaid debit cards powered by MasterCard and Visa, marketed to the un and the underbanked. Uh, and then, of course, 10-plus years at Accenture working with you know, large health systems as well as health insurance companies, health technology companies, oftentimes partnering on subjects that are around strategy, creating customer value, and also effectively executing that. So when Patient Co. came calling and I understood, wow, this is a company with a great vision, and plan to make a better financial experience for patients, 
everyone is a patient at some point in time exactly. in the past or in the future and can you make that billing experience which is an experience that matters for sure can you make it better and so what an opportunity combining both the payments background and the healthcare, and uh you know that's how uh that's how i got uh, joined up with patient co that's awesome so I remember I started, um, after grad school, I started my career with the advisory board oh. and I was with one of their programs where they were talking about estimates for patients mm -hmm. and it was brand new at the time in the market. But what's interesting is that, especially when you talk with clinical staff members, it's really not comfortable sometime for them to talk about the financial aspect of it, but yet for patients, it's actually one of the most important things to them. For sure. I actually They're recall, worried. I read something, I cannot remember the source, but I read something once where it talked about how uh, patients often actually fear their medical bill more than dying itself whenever it comes time to the wow. clinical treatment. So it tells you it's actually quite important to patients. I, I would agree. And how often you go through a medical procedure and that's not the end of it, right? Because the bills just keep coming and they come from all these different places and you pay one bill and then there's and another then bill. And anesthesia kicks in right, and then the lab bill right, kicks The in. professional bills. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, Heaven so forbid we have one bill. I know. Right. <laughs> that uh, would be too much. Uh, Maybe at patient care we get the one bill. Oh, how did you know <laughs> that those are the types of features we bring? That's exactly right. Only healthcare. Jennifer would come up with an experience where one visit creates multiple bills mm -hmm. or how about the the bill that we get from the uh, insurance company the explanation of benefits it's that says bill. this is not a bill yeah. do Let's, not pay no You're don't just pay this stress this no. we're just gonna let you we're just gonna let yes. you chew on this for a while That's right. <laughs> you may or may not owe a tremendous amount of dollars don't pay it we're going to train people to not pay it and throw it away and uh, and that'll that'll be great yeah and then 90 days later we're gonna threaten you with some sort of litigation or we're gonna collection, credit, collection company, collection company. Oh. Uh, Lisa, you're, you're speaking to our heart. You know that healthcare is number one for all the wrong reasons relative yeah. to collection companies. We're the number wow. one user of collection calls in the U.S. and the number one source of negative credit trade lines. Don't take our word for it. Uh, take the word of the, C, uh, of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB. And so they came out with that report. And it, we're not number one by a short margin. We're number one by more than 100%. Wow. <laughs> the number two source of negative credit trade lines in the U.S. is actually the telecom industry. Uh, healthcare is, uh, beats those guys by uh, more than double. Wow. Uh, yep. So we can all sit and think about that for a little while. For well, sure. <laughs> and, and think about it from the health system perspective. Yeah. We're trying to create durable, sustainable relationships with the communities that we serve. And what this really is, and it's not the health system's fault mm -hmm. that the member has now received a $2,000 or a $3,000 deductible that they struggle to pay, to pay with. But can the health system be a partner with that uh, consumer to help solve for affordability? And the answer is yes, leading health systems are putting affordable tools and affordable payment options in the hands of consumers, and they're doing it as a first option and not as a last option. And solving for affordability is one of the ways that it's just, it's better health care for the community because people will defer or delay care based on out-of-pocket concerns. For sure. 
So Duffy, you kind of alluded to this though, but when it comes time to the, you have your procedure or you go into the doctor, whatever the case is, that's not the end of your experience. The billing is actually the end of your experience, which is of course people's favorite part, right? Well, I was going to say, and that you're absolutely right. That can leave a negative, right. you know, a, a negative connotation. I, no matter know, how not, good your care was. Right. And I, I, unfortunately I associate with the doctor, although that's mm-hmm. not the, you know and i love the anesthesiologist who sent the bill i don't even know that i met them you have no idea <laughs> yeah. that, that you were person... sleeping i was sleeping <laughs> that's yeah. right or, or you uh, hope you were sleeping yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we had an anesthesiologist uh, come and, and chat with our team once and they said uh alan the only part of me that they see and right now i'm holding my my, my hands <laughs> yeah. up in between my my mouth and my eyes the only part they see is my eyes because right. i've got a that's I've got true a yeah. and everything else. Yeah. It yeah you can't pick anyone. them out of a lineup <laughs> no way yeah isn't that funny so yeah. for for a, a patient what would that look like if you if patient co is involved and and you talked about the doctors or the health facilities helping on the front end or explaining sort of what's going to happen mm-hmm. and helping them manage that. Yeah, you bet. Uh, I actually love Jennifer bringing up uh, advisory board, great company, and uh, and the estimator. because So for instance, what that can look like is um, we partner with estimators today. So it's one thing to get an estimate. It's another to actually take an initial payment or perhaps enroll on a payment plan. And so you don't have to know exactly the dollar amount, but just giving patients guidance, even if it's a range of fees, that reduces anxiety. For sure. Why do we make people wait, Lisa, 30, 60 days after care, and then we, and then we surprise them with a fee? <laughs> Like we don't right. have to do that. Right. Just to remind our audience, I think it's it's worth noting. I don't know of any other industry where you go in and you make a purchase the size of what you purchase with healthcare, which is, can often be like a car or even mm-hmm. the price of a house, and you have no idea. It's a surprise. Like, can I really afford this or can I not? What am I getting for it? But yet we do it in healthcare every single day. Now the good news is, and again, we're seeing a bigger push for consumerism in healthcare, which is kind mm-hmm. of what we're about at Soar Vision Group. Um, really kind of helping the industry get prepared. Um, again, we want our leaders to, to log on to leaderdialogue.com. Follow us along. You'll go down to the bottom of the first page, and you're going to come to a, um, an organizational chart, which is really like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, there's really an organizational needs in healthcare. We've um, kind of teased that out from the Baldridge framework. But we are actually seeing consumerism play a big role in healthcare. So we're not, we're definitely not where we need to be, but I do think that there are tools in the market where people are becoming better shoppers. And Alan, I was most intrigued by your comment around that kind of loyalty to Mm -hmm. the healthcare system around a bill. Like really you're kind of driving customer loyalty, which is a really big part of consumerism to me paying my bill on time effectively you know all the talk a little bit about that yeah you bet you know uh leading health systems are really embracing consumerism and this notion of a better patient experience around not just clinical care but on the you know the edges around clinical care and so duffy you mentioned it before like that last touch don't let that be a bad touch Mm -hmm. and so for for health systems you know they they <clears throat> they know they know that the dollars really really matter when the average deductible for a group policy coverage is greater than $1000 now in the US that's covering the plus 130 million covered lives in commercial plans so that's that's a 
big chunk of America with that average uh, deductible greater than $1,000, the Federal Reserve, and this may surprise some of the, the audience, the Federal Reserve comes out with a study every year for a $1,000 unplanned bill, and most of healthcare is unplanned, mm -hmm. 61% of Americans do not have that to pay in cash. They have to resort to credit, family and friends, or selling a personal good. So that out-of-pocket concern actually makes people either, uh, either defer the care or even worse, they skip necessary care. That impacts the health of our communities and you know, and it impacts the mission of the health system. Right. And so a better consumer experience from our perspective, it's convenient. So for members, it's delivered in ways they want to receive it. That could be digital, it could be mobile. For some of our clients, Duffy, we have, for some of our clients, more than 40% of the payments are made via mobile devices. They're paying over the phone because it's convenient and they're doing it outside of business hours. So those health systems didn't have to staff up people. It's better technology for self-service payments. It's convenient, it's understandable. So how do you translate that bill with medical jargon into something that actually makes sense? And so we bring technology that actually translates ICD codes or DRG codes into something that's understandable that people know. It's not a vein of puncture, it's a blood draw. Blood draw. Yeah. That's right. Perfect. Like, why are we confusing people? I don't even know if I received a vein of puncture. What's that? Sounds, <laughs> it sounds, sounds painful. painful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so can we give them faith and confidence or just something silly? But we do it, and it actually requires a lot of technology. Can you reflect that they've already made a payment? That way they know they're not being double charged. Right, right. And so those types of items plus affordable tools it's, you know, that makes a better consumer experience. It's easy to understand. It's delivered in the method that I prefer to communicate. That could be paper, it could be digital. And then the actual payment tools, can I pay and just make it easy? Once I pay once, can can you store my credit card or my HSA or It feels HSA a little bit FSA? like Amazon. Like I'm sitting on uh, my sofa and I'm shopping yeah, yeah, for God Amazon. Yeah, God bless you. That's right. And you can pay in just as little as four clicks and you're done. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it just takes a second. And so there you have it. Now, yeah, so I'm that's still waiting on my like. EOB from my insurance. It Am I still am I still dealing with all those kind of papers? Uh, you are indeed. Uh, you know what can I say? Healthcare has levels of complexity, some of which is let's just call it um, the humans have created the complexity, and so maybe <laughs> it's not always needed. Uh, you know, Patient Co is working to unravel that as we speak. Awesome, that's great news. Yeah. So one of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting was this allows hospitals to really be partners with patients which drives us towards what we say all the time but we don't really do well and that is truly patient-centered care so what does this look like for the patient do they get an estimate up front do they actually use i think you alluded to the fact that they get the option to pay or initiate payments or even a payment plan up front do they get a single bill what are all the services that you provide to the hospital and how does that translate to the patient yep you got it uh with the disclaimer that if you've seen one health system you've seen one health system mm -hmm. so there's variability <laughs> there but uh the short answer to your question uh, jennifer is that yes we can do all of that now there's some you know it depends a little bit on you know kind of some complexities around how many different his systems is that is that environment running is ambulatory on the same as outpatient and you know so with those disclaimers audience forgive me uh, but we'll just go ahead and we'll answer for a good bulk of our systems uh, we can integrate with the estimators and do the payment up front for point of service payments we actually have a number of tools for the revenue cycle teams to help make point of service payments better so how do you actually understand that 
if, uh, if my inpatient uh, environment is Cerner, but maybe my outpatient has you know, all scripts or other systems, the only person who has a full view of the patient balance is the patient. Right. Wow. Not with Patient Co. With Patient Co., we actually integrate with the HIS systems across inpatient and outpatient, and we can show those team members an outstanding balance. So if they show up in your specialist office and there's still a balance left on inpatient, we can expose that to the staff and help with point of service. And so, and that point of service, you could actually enroll them in a payment plan right then and there and answer any questions. So from point of service, and now, Jennifer, if we've gone from pre-service to point of service, now let's go to post-service, where you might have a t a, an e-bill delivered by email, where we optimize it for send time of day, as well as send day to actually maximize open rates on that e-bill. We can send text reminders, where it drops you right into a payment flow. And then once you're in the payment flow, it's just a couple of clicks and you can, and you can pay your bill. And so that's what it looks like from a consumer's perspective. Convenient, easy. We're just trying to make it, you know, a more affordable, more convenient. Let's not let the financials be a barrier to accessing care. Now you alluded to specialists. So do you often partner with maybe affiliated providers of hospitals, or do they have to be employed providers? Yeah, great question. You know, increasingly, a number of our health systems are employing services like, um, you know, uh, you know, kind of Community Connect and other related mm -hmm. services to extend some of their um, technology infrastructure as a benefit to the affiliated physicians, mm -hmm. and oftentimes Patient Co. is part of that package. And so if you're extending and you're using some of your infrastructure and you're, you're allowing it for the affiliated, uh, oftentimes we see those affiliated physicians opt in to accept that patient code because it's a nice benefit. So like uh, an urgent care. So if Piedmont Healthcare has urgent cares surrounding the community and I go to an urgent care, that could be part of my patient it code could experience. Be. It awesome. could be plug for Piedmont right there. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, if Piedmont's listening, we love Piedmont. What a great partner they are, and they are really helping us develop awesome products and programs. In fact, they were just in our office uh, this time last Friday. So uh, shout out to Piedmont. They have they just have some really great leaders in their revenue cycle team, and we're, we're really happy to partner with them. That's awesome. We actually have their chief medical officer coming on the show in early October. Um, I think uh, maybe a little later in October. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to that interview as well. Yeah, that, yeah. One Great. of the things I really like about what you're talking about, though, is as a patient, especially experienced patients, patients who this is not their first rodeo, they know what's coming. Now they have an opportunity to actually know what's coming from a billing standpoint. I feel like too often patients don't pay their bill because they're still waiting on something else to hit their insurance or for Absolutely. it to clear their deductible. And now you've got a little bit more of a real time update so that you can trust the information coming in, which again, this is an assumption, but my assumption would be if they're not paying it, waiting on all these things to fall, that can often lead to, of course, what we started out with, which was the collections mm -hmm. and the other problems that they encounter. Yeah, so that would lead us to believe that you're providing a pretty strong ROI to the health systems that you partner with. Oh, oh, Lisa, that's fantastic! What a what a tee up! You know, it's um, he's really excited about this yeah, question. No, that's great. Uh, well, you know, it's a. Uh, Actually, uh, you know, the health system leaders, they want to provide a better experience for their consumers. I mean, so many of the health systems have, a, have some element of an improved patient experience as an executive level agenda item for their entire organization. So sure. they already know that the experience is better, that having a better experience is a virtue in and of itself. 
But Lisa, we're not content to stop there. We, we do. We tackle hard dollar numbers on top of it. So, you know, n- the way we talk about it and, and the way we've been coached to talk about it from our clients themselves oh, is, smart. wow, Patient Co. is fantastic. These better communication engages more members with intuitive payment tools. That yields more dollars today. Just like it's almost an immediate term ROI. Uh, most of our clients see a 15 to 25% increase in patient payment dollars once they go live with our systems. Uh, we recently had a Piedmont uh, case study come out where uh, you know Piedmont received an incremental $7 million of payments in just a little over a year. That's, That's amazing. Great. And that's a financial Im- that's a financial impact that you can bank on we have you know we have lots of great data that says that that's a you know that's a attainable goal mm-hmm. however don't forget that better financial experience patients are more likely to return so it's more payments today more visits Loyalty. tomorrow and it's right. not just it's not just the patient payment dollar there that's in play it's also the reimbursement from the insurance company exactly. so we did some math on what exactly is the customer lifetime value in healthcare any guesses like what is an average customer well, how much spend does an average customer have in healthcare so if i had to put a dollar amount on loyalty any guesses on what that would be well womb to tomb is what every health system talks about right so if i can get you in if i can get the mom in delivering babies <laughs> but literally i can get mom in delivering babies and i continue that child throughout yes. the the continuum yeah i don't know Three million dollars. Yeah. Uh, So the reason why this answer is tough, and Jennifer, I appreciate your comment on, you know, kind of maybe it's a little bit unnerving. It's semi. So you get the happy part of the womb, right? (laughs) (laughs) Then it ends. (laughs) It's coming for all of us, Jennifer. Maybe we'll think about Benjamin Button and come backwards. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah. So um, so we actually uh, we actually published a white paper. The average the average consumer is worth more than six hundred thousand dollars. And that's just hot hospital and physician spend. It does not include RX uh, medications. It does not include anything relative to long-term care or nursing facilities. And that's an average consumer. So that's, that's average payments for healthcare per year times, you know, kind of like an average life mm-hmm. expectancy, plus a little bit of growth rate. And these were all CMS's own numbers. I think you're being way too conservative on that number. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I appreciate you being conservative, but I think it's going to be a, a much greater, especially when you take into consideration your, your prescriptions and, yep. you know, there's so many other things that go into that ex- that spend. That's right. But, uh, I, I agree. It's uh, It could be conservative. We were really trying to make the point that it's worth investing in the patient experience. Mm-hmm. It's not just cost to collect. Think of these as relationships that you're building. And I'll just, Lisa, I'll use your womb to tomb again. And that is, if you think about it that way, you're maybe less concerned about how much am I paying for you know, a statement. Or, and you get much more concerned about Am I giving this person an experience that earns the next visit? Right. So one of the things that I'm curious, just to kind of shift gears a little bit, we are in an era where technology reigns, right? Right. But on the flip side of that, we've talked a little bit about this on the show before. We've had, um, for instance, like Jim and I, who we talked a little bit about cybersecurity, and we've had other technology things. How do you protect all the patient information, the data that comes across, especially when you're getting into things like mobile apps and having that convenience? There's a, often a trade-off with security. How do you balance that? 
Oh, great question. Uh, if security is a concern for everyone in healthcare, as well it should be. So we look at what a you know a stolen healthcare medical record is worth, and it's often worth more on the black market than a consumer credit report information. And it's because the personal information in healthcare is a more effective tool for phishing. Ah. Isn't isn't that scary? Yeah. And so and so if you think about it. Uh, you know, we're entrusted with our clients' data as well as our patients' data, and that's a responsibility we take really, really seriously. So I just have to give a shout-out to our amazing development and engineering team. They are entirely housed in Atlanta. We've got more computer science degrees than we have people. That's because <laughs> we've got folks with graduate degrees in there. Uh, and so the answer is, uh, this is what I've been told to say, defense in depth which is to say that our defense is multi-layer, it, it is wide and deep, and we also do some really cool things. So let's talk about a white hat bug bounty. Anybody ever heard of a white hat bug bounty here? Got oh, me, I'm no. I'm loving this, okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, so that's a, that's a, that's a, a, that is when you harness the power of white hat, like you remember mm -hmm. the white hat westerns, like the white hat is the good guy, good guy. Yes. the black hat's the bad guy. Yeah. And so the white hat, we actually employ or offer, you know, kind of bounties or bonuses for white hat hacker groups to actually proactively probe us. And wow. to the extent they find anything, we actually pay them money. So you've and got so good guys we, trying good to guys infiltrate trying to, your system. Exactly, in See, a proactive way. See, hackers get a bad name. That, so, they're good guy they hackers. They are good guy well, hackers. Well, I mean, the, the ones that work with us are certainly <laughs> good guy hackers. We don't know what they do in their spare time. <laughs> no, right. no. Uh, actually, uh, surprising, uh, surprising, I did the same thing, Jennifer. I'm like, where do we source these people? <laughs> Is that uh, a degree I can get? Uh, they're, largely, they're largely in academia. Oh, for sure. They are, they are largely academics. And so they're the ones that are teaching the next generation of computer scientists, and they do it in their free time for extra revenue. But it's also, can you believe it? They think it's fun. Oh, and that's so, hysterical. So we have, uh, we have passive protection, defense mm -hmm. in depth, wide and broad. And we have proactively, we have people probing, uh, probing us all the time, looking for ways that we can get better. So those are a couple of the ways that, uh, that we help on the security front. So this reminds me of a semi-related, semi-unrelated book, but to Duffy likes when we bring up books. I know. We there. would have been remiss if we had not had a Jennifer book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Jennifer is here, just so you know, Alan. Jennifer <laughs> always gives us a book recommendation, if not a couple, and so Ooh. we add it to our reading list. Ooh, she, okay. Apparently, in, with all she does, she also reads a lot. How do you, you find don't the sleep? time, Jennifer? Yeah. <laughs> well, so Roger Spoolman, who's been on the show before, he said once that if you buy a book, you read until you feel that you've got the value out of that book and once you based on what you paid for it and once you feel like you've gotten that value you move on to the next one okay there you so, go so there are there are a good number of books that i've read she's not reading the of. entire book. i know oh. i just read the punchline so i just go secret. right to the end no. that's the secret okay it's just just a summary yeah <laughs> cliff notes version <laughs> now so there's this book that was probably written i don't know like in the 20s or 30s so it's an old book but it's still relevant it's called how to lie with statistics and what Ooh. it does is it teaches you very similar where it talks about it presents really bad statistics so that you know what to question and when you see bad statistics you recognize it so it's a very similar concept though in terms of 
looking for your vulnerabilities, looking for the weaknesses with mm -hmm. these hackers, but then using that obviously for the good. And so it was the same concept they talk about when they introduced the book around how um, police back in the day had to bring in burglars, kind of like White Collar, if you ever saw that show mm -hmm. in the USA, it's yeah. not there anymore, where they would bring in someone who thinks like that to be able to teach them against the vulnerabilities of yep. it. Yeah, so it's a, uh, yeah, that security item, that's something that you never stop working on that is that's something that you're always working on and, right. and it's something that we take a tremendous amount of pride in and so when we when we do things like our SOC 2 audits mm -hmm. and you know our PCI level 1 compliance that's the highest level of compliance uh, PCI uh, acronym hunt for those listening at home uh, that's all about how you safely store credit card numbers so they can't be uh, so they can't be used in ways that are improper so those think like target when they were hacked and mm -hmm. lost a lot of debit cards and people had fraud issues like that's not going to happen with us because we're PCI level one highest level of PCI compliance and so those are you know the industry certifications are nice feathers in our cap but uh, frankly we'd be doing it anyway yeah I mean again I back to consumerism I think we as consumers patients are consumers whether health systems are on board with that or not they are consumers they have gotten accustomed to the Amazon shopping of the world but it is a little more daunting when you start talking about PHI data and my diagnosis and my meds, and I want to make sure that I really can protect what's what's being put out on the internet. Although I'll tell you this, I, do you remember getting the bill that said to pay on you know, to pay over the phone? Billing hours are between you know nine and four. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those every, are the best, right? And everyone's busy, so I've got to say that I love. You're working to pay off that bill. Exactly, <laughs> can't stay home. Got to earn that money. But it, it does. It, it it's it's a whole different thing. And now there are some insurance companies will actually have one spot online where you can check your prescription status, what you still owe. It'll show what you owe at for different for different uh, doctors. If you haven't gotten the bill yet, it's a way to follow up. That was new to me, and I actually liked it. I thought, okay, you guys are all finally talking to each other. Mm -hmm. and That's great. Yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like in this world, we often think that technology and convenience is only relevant to a certain generation, but the reality is that's not true anymore. Are I mean, you calling me old? Every, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, boy. Everybody, everybody wants to be online. It's convenient, right? Elderly people have smartphones so they mm -hmm. can look at their grandkids on Facebook. I mean, it's just relevant today. Uh, Jennifer, you're, you're spot on. We had a CFO say, well, Alan, this digital mobile stuff is great. But, you know, we have older patients and I had another person in a little bit of an underserved community say, well, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that our patients, it's, you know, it's, that it's the right demographics. But in reality, old, young, affluent, less affluent, everybody's using mobile devices. Mm -hmm. Smartphone penetration for U.S. adults is now north of 77 percent. And so this is not just a millennial story. This right. is an everyone story. Right. So just to kind of bring our listeners full circle because we've talked about a lot in this last half hour and hard to believe it flies by so fast uh, but in particular you know we really talked about that patient value the consumer value how that pairs with hospital value and really creating a win-win situation because the financial aspect of healthcare is really just as important as the clinical and the quality aspect of healthcare. and when you can merge the convenience the peace of mind security all together it brings that consumer value and customer value and again when we think about our hierarchy of needs customer value really serves right in the middle of that and that allows you to be able to have more financial success as an organization so for me I know I'm going to need a white hat 
for my my sore people <laughs> and some swag from our patient co people <laughs> and i go. will be set with my green t-shirt and white cowboy hat that's <laughs> fantastic we, we have we have a new dress code you're gonna have to get the now everybody's gonna need a cowboy hat at patient co oh boy <laughs> thanks everyone for joining us we're going to have alan here next week which is great we'll talk more about this and other things um thank you for our listeners to listening to us and joining us on leader dialogue Brought to you by Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Remember, you can listen to a new live show every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. You can find that on businessradiox.com and also leaderdialogue.com slash podcast. On behalf of Jennifer and Lisa and Alan for joining us and our producers, Trey and Mike, I'm Duffy Dixon. We'll join you next time on Business Radio X. 